Welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm a Bible student. I'm glad you are, too. Thank you so much for joining. Pray for discernment and ask God to show you how you can share this information with others and be a blessing. Welcome to my podcast series on Christmas. As I have many listeners who are Jewish as well as Christian, I wanted to cover perhaps some lesser known fun facts about Christmas in this podcast. I hope you had a chance to listen to my series on Hanukkah. Recall, Hanukkah is going to start on December 10th and what a beautiful celebration of God's faithfulness during the bleakest of times. For Christians, we're now entering into our season of Advent, which started this past Sunday. Let's ready our hearts for some fun and amazing news. Because remember, God is faithful, even in the bleakest, darkest of times. I wanted to start with something kind of fun. I read this book the other day called The Real Kosher Jesus. It's an excellent book by Michael Brown. And he said that for the longest time, he thought that Jesus's mom and dad were called Mr. and Mrs. Christ. Think about it. All he heard was Jesus Christ. Well, that got me thinking about how many things we maybe take for granted and we we think we understand, but maybe we don't have the facts exactly right. So let's start out with, why do we call Christmas, Christmas? Did you ever think about the actual meaning of the word Christmas? The name Christmas comes from the phrase Mass of Christ. A Mass is sometimes called the Eucharist or the Communion, and it's where Christians gather together to remember that Jesus died for us and then rose from the dead. The Christ Mass service was the only one that was allowed to take place after sunset and before sunrise the next day. So many people celebrated it at midnight. There was this tradition that Jesus was born at midnight, so midnight Christmas service became popular. Christ Mass, M-A-S-S, became shortened as Christmas. But it was initially called the Feast of the Nativity. Why do we celebrate it on December 25th? Was this when Jesus was actually born? Well, no one knows the actual day or even the actual year that Jesus was born. No date is given in our Bible. Therefore, there were many arguments in the early church about when Jesus's birthday should be celebrated. For one thing, Jesus was probably not born in 1 AD, 1 Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And there's no 0 AD. We go from 1 BC, before Christ, to 1 AD. And most theologians believe that based on the dates of the reign of Herod the Great, Jesus most likely was probably born sometime between 7 BC and 2 
BC. When did we start to celebrate his birthday on December 25th? As I said, no date is given in the Bible. So why December 25th? The first recorded date of Christmas being celebrated on December 25th was in the year 336 AD. And this was during the time of the Roman Emperor Constantine. And you might recall, he was the first Christian Roman Emperor. But it was not an official Roman state festival at the time. There's so many different theories about why December 25th. According to an early church tradition, Mary was told by the angel Gabriel that she would conceive a child March 25th. This is called Annunciation. And then if you do some quick math, nine months later, December 25th. Huh. Also, it was thought by some early Christians that the world was made on March 25th. And some also say Jesus died on March 25th. Of course, lots of other theories about why Christmas is celebrated on December 25th. And many of them have to do with the winter solstice. Remember that the winter solstice is the shortest day of the year in terms of daylight. That's on December 21st. And it marks the official start of winter. Pagans for centuries before Jesus was born would celebrate the fact that after this winter solstice, after December 21st, the days would start to get longer and brighter again. And therefore, they would have this celebration of light winning over darkness. In Scandinavia, for example, the Norse would celebrate something called Yule, Y-U-L-E. And this would start on December 21st, the winter solstice. And it would sometimes last into early January. And it was a celebration of, thank God the sun is returning. And so fathers and their kids would bring home these huge logs, which they would then set on fire and the people would feast as long as these logs were burning. And that could take sometimes as long as 12 days. These are some massive logs. And they believed that each spark from the fire represented a new pig or a new calf that would be born during the coming year. Throughout Europe, the end of December was the perfect time for celebration because cattle were slaughtered in late December. And this was so they wouldn't have to feed them through the winter months. So for many, this was the only time they ate fresh meat. In addition, all that wine and beer that they had made during the season It was finally fermented and ready for drinking. Are you catching on? December was a season that folks were used to having a celebration. And then we have the Romans. They celebrated a festival of Saturnalia. And that ran from December 17th 
to the 23rd. And this was to honor the Roman god Saturn. So again, we're starting to see a pattern of reasons why December 25th seemed to work. In the early years of Christianity, Easter was the main holiday, you know, the day of Jesus's resurrection. And the birth of Jesus wasn't celebrated. So again, it was sometime in the fourth century where church officials decided to make the birth of Jesus a holiday. But unfortunately, as we've learned, the Bible doesn't mention the date for his birth. So some believe, yes, it was Constantine who decided on December 25th. And others say it was Pope Julius I who chose December 25th. And it's commonly believed that the church or Constantine chose this date in an effort to kind of adopt and absorb the traditions that had already been going on for centuries and to make this December celebration now focus on the non-pagan belief in the birth of Christ. So when do theologians think that Jesus was born? Well, they make some good arguments for either the spring or the fall, but not the winter. Why not winter? Well, for one very practical reason. Israel can get very cold in the winter, and it seems highly unlikely that shepherds would have been out in their fields keeping their flocks in the middle of winter. That's just not done. So let's take a look at why some theologians think that a spring birth makes sense. During the spring, sometimes in March, sometimes in April, there's that big Jewish holiday called Passover. And remember, Passover is the festival when the Jews recall this amazing event where God protects them when they are escaping from slavery in Egypt. And that's 1,500 years before Jesus is born, and it's still a very, very important holiday. And lots of lambs would be sacrificed in the temple during this time in Jerusalem. And Jews from all over the Roman Empire travel to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So it would have been a really good time for the Romans to take a census. In fact, that Jewish historian Flavius Josephus, he says that typically Jerusalem would have maybe 80,000 people, but during Passover, their numbers could swell to in the millions, like maybe even 3 million people. So remember, the whole reason why Mary and Joseph leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem is because of a census. And they stayed in Bethlehem, which is about six miles from Jerusalem. So it might make sense that he was born during the spring because that's when Passover was and that's when they decided to count all the people. An alternative idea supported by many is that he was born in the autumn, September or October, because 
there's another major Jewish festival, and that's called Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. And in fact, this is the festival that's mentioned the most times in the Bible. And it's when the Jewish people remember that they depended on God for all they had when they escaped from Egypt and spent 40 years in the desert. And it also celebrates the end of the harvest. And here's what's interesting. During this festival, the Jews come to Jerusalem and they live in temporary structures. Remember that word tabernacle means tent, means a temporary structure. And many who study the Bible say that Sukkot, and that's S-U-K-K-O-T, would be a likely time for the birth of Jesus. Because remember in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, he tells us there was no room for them in the inn. And so Mary and Joseph were perhaps in a maybe a temporary structure with the animals. And this also would have been a good time for the Romans to take the census because many Jews went to Jerusalem for the festival and they would have brought their own tents or structures. But of course, Mary and Joseph wouldn't because Mary was pregnant and that's the last thing they needed to do was to, you know, bring a tent along with them. So they had to stay perhaps in a makeshift shelter. Kind of interesting theories, right? And also, the possibility for this star of Bethlehem to have been visible, it appears to point to either spring or autumn of around maybe 5 BC. We're going to talk about the star of Bethlehem and the wise men in our next podcast, but just kind of hold that thought. So, we know why we call it Christmas, and we know some reasons why it's to celebrate it in December. So let me ask you, do you get angry when some people refer to Christmas as Xmas? Do you tend to think it's an attempt to take Christ out of Christmas? Well, here's something to make you feel better. In the early 4th century, Constantine, you know, who was the Roman emperor from about 306 to 337 AD, well, he popularized this shorthand for Christ. And according to the legend, on the eve of one of his great battles, he has a vision that leads him to want to create a military banner emblazoned with the first two letters of Christ's name, because maybe there wasn't enough room to spell out the whole thing. So the first two Greek letters of Christ's name are Chi and Rho. In the Greek alphabet, the letter that looks like an X is pronounced Chi, and it's the first letter in the word Christos. The second letter in the word Christos is what's called Rho, and it looks like a P. Maybe you've seen this symbol. It's a large P with a small X at the bottom. But then the shorthand version of that is Xmas. The X in Xmas literally means Christ. So don't worry. Whew. So. Now we know some possible theories about 
why we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, and some ideas about the time of year that Jesus may have been born. So now let's talk about Advent. Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. Well, what's coming? Some of us this past year might pessimistically answer that question with the apocalypse. (laughs) We're going to save that for a lively discussion in the future, but no. What is coming, or better yet, who is coming, is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah Jesus. He is coming into the world. There's actually three parts of the Advent arrival or coming that we Christians acknowledge and prepare for. The first coming already happened about 2,000 years ago, and that's when Jesus came into the world as a baby to live as a man and die for us. The second coming or arrival can happen now as we welcome Jesus into our lives. And the third arrival or coming that we're preparing for during Advent is in the future. And that's when Jesus will come back to the world as king and judge. Like Hanukkah, lighting candles is typically part of Advent and acts as a countdown to Christmas. Traditionally for Advent, there are five candles, four surrounding a single candle in the middle. Traditionally, these would be three purple candles or violet, and that would symbolize preparation as well as royalty symbolizing the coming king. And then there would be one pink candle, and this represents joy. Each Sunday leading up to Christmas, an additional candle is lit, ending with that center candle on Christmas. Now, the candles are arranged in a circle with a wreath typically of evergreens around them, and that circle symbolizes eternal life. Each week, the lit candle represents something specific. Now, as I said, Advent started last Sunday, November 30th, and that first candle that we lit represents hope, and it's often called the prophecy candle or the candle of hope and expectation. Now, this coming Sunday, the second Advent candle is called the candle of preparation, and it represents peace peace on earth, goodwill to men, and the promise of the Savior who will be born in Bethlehem. The third Advent candle is called the shepherd candle, and it means joy. And this is where we light that pink candle because it means, gosh, the waiting is almost over. And this is where we celebrate the shepherds who receive this message of joy. And then our fourth Advent candle. This is called the angel candle. And its meaning is love. It's lit on the last Sunday of Advent. And this is where the angels announce the birth of the baby Jesus. And as I said, many Advent wreaths contain this fifth candle, often referred to as the Christ candle or the Christmas candle. 
And this is lit on Christmas morning and it completes the season of Advent with the birth of the baby Jesus. And it's typically a white candle because it's symbolizing Christ in the center of our lives, the spotless Lamb of God, clean, sinless, without blemish or stain. So in summary, the meaning of Advent represents hope, peace, joy, and love, and aids us in preparing our hearts for Jesus. Well, let's talk about candy canes, shall we? Are they religious or not? What do you think? Well, (laughs) I was actually surprised to find out they haven't been around that long. In fact, they were invented in the United States. The first record of something called a candy stick, as it was called, was in 1837, and this was at an exhibition in Massachusetts. They were first made into a straight white sugar stick, and then apparently the stripes were added a few years later. They were called candy canes around 1866, and then started to become associated with Christmas around 1874. Now, you have maybe heard that the candy cane shape represents a shepherd's crook or turn it upside down and it's a J for Jesus. And you may have heard the white represents the purity of Jesus and the red stripe represents the blood he shed when he died on the cross. And then there's also this theory that when they change the flavor to peppermint, that represents the hyssop plant that was used in the Bible for purifying. However, all these meanings were added to this candy cane long after it became popular. It was not part of the original intent. But honestly, it is a fun and sweet reminder to all of us about the reason for the season, right? How many of you sing Christmas carols or maybe at least hum along, perhaps out of tune? Any idea when singing Christmas carols started? You know, honestly, I conjure up thoughts of Charles Dickens and folks in London in the late 1800s all bundled up singing Christmas carols. Do you? Well, (laughs) the tradition is way older than that. Carols have been sung in Europe for thousands of years. I know, right? They were originally pagan songs sung at, here we go, the winter solstice. People would sing and dance around stone circles. I kind of picture Stonehenge. Because the word carol actually means dance or songs of praise and joy. The earliest recorded date of a carol being sung for non-pagan reasons is 129 AD. And it's written that a Roman bishop said that a song called Angels Hymns should be sung. Then it appears that soon after this, Composers all over Europe started to compose what they call Christmas carols. 
But this is kind of funny. Not many people like them because they were written and sung in Latin. But I found this interesting. That by the Middle Ages, by around the 1200s, most people lost interest in celebrating Christmas altogether. And if you know anything about the Middle Ages, it was kind of a bleak time. And I would think Christmas would have been super popular as a celebration of hope. But I guess not. Because along came St. Francis of Assisi, Italy in 1223. And he starts something called Nativity Plays. And the people in his plays would sing songs that told the nativity story. Sometimes they were sung in Latin, but usually these songs would be sung in the language of the people watching the play so that they could understand and also join in. So shortly after this, these carols then spread to France and to Spain and to Germany and other European countries. But unfortunately, very few of these early carols still exist. And most of the carols from this time, and even during the Elizabethan time, <laughs> they were kind of made up stories, just loosely based on the Christmas story. And they were seen more as entertainment than as religious songs. And they were traditionally sung in homes instead of churches. But there were during this time traveling singers or minstrels who started singing these carols and then they would change the words based on what town they went to. Now this is interesting. When the Puritans came to power in England around the 1640s, the celebration of Christmas and the singing of carols was stopped. And in our country, in New England, Christmas celebrations were also during this time period made illegal because the Puritans could find no biblical justification for the celebration of Christmas. They associated this celebration of Christmas and singing carols with paganism and idolatry. However, the carols survived because people started to sing them in secret. And before carol singing in public became popular, there was sometimes these official carol singers, and they were called waits, W-A-I-T-S. This was in the early 1800s, and they would typically be like important officials, like council leaders and this night before Christmas, they would go out and sing and they were called waits because Christmas Eve was called watch night or wait night because of the Bible story of the shepherds who are waiting and watching their sheep by night when the angels appeared to them. This practice then became known as wassailing. Are you familiar with that song? Here we go, a wassailing. Yeah, that was early caroling by these people called the waits. So how long do you think Christmas has been a federal holiday here in the United States? During the Reformation and up until the 1800s, 
Christmas was not often celebrated because the partying and the merrymaking was seen as, as I said, unchristian. And honestly, if you've been to a few office Christmas parties, you can kind of see their point. But this is crazy. Here in the U.S., from about 1840 on, celebrating Christmas did become more widespread. But December 25th was not declared a federal holiday until 1870. It's only been a holiday for 150 years. Let's review what we've learned. Christmas, we've learned, means the Mass of Christ. We learned that while we celebrate Christmas, Christ's birth in December, he most likely was born during another time of year, perhaps in the spring during Passover or in the fall during Sukkot. We uncovered the meaning behind Advent, which prepares our hearts for the celebration of Christ's birth, his presence in our lives, and his future return to us. We just learned that the tradition of singing carols goes back thousands of years and that for a period of time in the 16 to 1700s, Christmas celebrations were illegal, both in Europe and here in the United States. During our next podcast, we're going to take a deeper look into the story of the shepherds, the wise men, and that mysterious star of Bethlehem. Since our past week's candle for Advent represented hope, I want to leave you with a hopeful Bible verse. And this is taken from Mark chapter 9, verses 22 through 23. And it's a story of a man who is desperate for help for his son. So he brings his son to Jesus saying, quote, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus replies, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes, unquote. And that, my dear listeners, is our hope. Have a blessed day. Thank you.